الرحیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم وی شیل انشاء اللہ بی پریزنٹنگ سیملٹینیس انگلش ٹرانسلیشن آف دی فرائیڈے سرمن بائی امیر المومنین حضرت خلیفت المسیح دا فورتھ ڈلیورڈ ایٹ دی فضل ماسک لنڈن آن ٹوینٹی ایٹھ آف ڈسمبر حضور سیز ٹوڈے از دی لاسٹ فرائیڈے آف دا ایئر دی جما پریئر آف وچ وی آر بینگ اینیبلڈ ٹو سی ٹوگیدر نارملی دی ٹاپک آف دس سرمن از وقف جدید بٹ دی ٹریڈیشن از دیٹ اٹ از ناٹ نیسیسری دیٹ دی لاسٹ فرائیڈے آف دا ایئر شوڈ بی ڈیوٹیڈ ٹو وقف جدید And at times, Akhfei Jadid is made the subject of the sermon of the first Friday of the new year. Since I have been discussing the subject of Salat, prayer, therefore I feel that we should continue with the subject in the sermon today. If with the grace of Allah this subject is completed, then the sermon next Friday will be on Akhfei Jadid. But if it is not completed, then inshallah we will return to this subject again, Aafasing Waqfei Jadid. I had said that in Malik-e Yawmiddin, the word Malik includes the sense of Allah being having power over everything and being master of everything. and that the meaning of his being a king over everything also fits here. In this connection, you should keep in view that the three attributes, that is, yani, Rab, Rahman, or Rahim, 
takes on a wider meaning as they are linked with the Malik attribute. If you consider them separate from the Malik attribute, then a flaw appears to be present in the existence of Allah. Hazrat promised to Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has mentioned this subject when he talks of the comparison between Islam and Christianity. According to Christianity, Allah is Rabb, Rahman and Rahim. But despite that, he cannot forgive because Bible has not presented any concept of Malik similar to the concept of the Malik attribute of God which is presented by the Holy Quran. So if you apply this subject on the affairs of man and his experiences, then the subject come very clear. A judge sits in his chair in the court. He displays qualities of being Rabb, Rahman and Rahim. But since he is neither a master of the law nor a master of all other things, therefore wherever he will have to decide a matter in view of justice, his power of decision will remain limited to the sphere of justice. He cannot give the least verdict going outside the limit of justice in the sense that he should appropriate the law to his own benefit or should issue a new law or issue such a decree as a result of which he should be able to give a verdict in favor of someone for whom he wants to show compassion. Similarly, he cannot forgive someone for what one has robbed because the judge is not the master and has no authority to give someone of his own. So this is the reason why Hazrat promised Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave this subject much importance and discussed this subject in much detail. Explained that a God who is not Malik should certainly behave in the same way as is the concept of God with the Christians that if a man commits a sin, then their God cannot forgive him because it is against his attribute of justice and he cannot go outside justice. Therefore the thought that as the solution of this problem he sacrificed his so-called son as if of the Christians that he was a son of God and in exchange he forgave the sins of the rest of mankind. This is an involved and lengthy subject and this is not the time to discuss it in detail but the real hindrance in the mind of the Christian as to why God cannot forgive is because he is only just and is not Malik, master. Similarly, he is not Malik and has power to make laws. Therefore, Rabbu Rahman or Rahim the three attributes are most magnificent and charming, but if they remain separated from the attribute of Malik, then they have a restricted meaning. But when they join the Malik attribute, they show a great manifestation which has no end. In this sense, man can become a master, but a man can taste to some extent 
the malik attribute of god if he were to include others in his mastery and develop a habit of forgiving others as being a master our creator can forgive us so it does not mean that we cannot share in the malik attribute in any way within our own circles of whatever things allah has made malik we should use it in such a way that allah is the master and we are using what belongs to him and in that the subject of forgiveness rises most prominently and the subject of granting one's possessions to others rises most prominently besides this there is another way also in which we can try to become a master and that subject most subtle and of high level to which our attention has been directed by his holiness promised messiah a peace and blessings of allah be upon him the concept of a malik god tells us that despite the fact that allah is owner of everything and has full power over everything at times he makes people and the other life he has created malik in such a way that in presumption they consider themselves the real master by giving them the dominion he steps back and in day to day life he is not seen as the real master and at times in their small circle man animals rather we should say each kind of life are granted power and authority in such a way that whatever form of life there is it considers that i am the master and there is no one else beside me who is a master and none else interferes in this it is such a subject that temporarily whatever the donor has granted he has granted in such a way as though the recipient has become the master and he has removed his own will away from it and put it under the will of the others in this sense a man can behave in a special way to his creator it is that whatever allah has granted us our life property honor and everything else over which allah gave us power whose authority allah granted us we should return it to our creator in this way that o god of whatever things you had made us master we have discovered this secret that you are the real master so before you were back from us we present it before you willingly and as a demonstration of our love for you as eventually you will become the master so even today you have become a master of everything that we own hazrat promised messiah alaihi salatu wassalam has used this subject to describe the great station of his holiness muhammad mustafa sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam he said that great superiority which muhammad mustafa may peace and blessings of allah be upon him has over all the prophets it is especially in this that as the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him had returned all that belonged to him 
in its entirety in this very life. No other man did the same. That is, the subtlest possible passions he gave over to Allah. He gave everything he presented in its entirety to God. He gave his pleasures entirely over to God. His feelings of love, his feelings of hate, everything on which a man has any power, he returned it to his Creator, that you alone are the real master. Therefore today I give everything in your charge, and I will use these things under your pleasures. Allah Himself disclosed this secret. Maybe the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would not have mentioned his station in such detail for the people. But Allah commanded him in the Holy Quran that, O Muhammad وسلم, declare before mankind that I am the one who has given everything belonging to me entirely over to God. And there is not as a particle that is mine now. What to talk of my worship and my sacrifice, each part of my life and my death, that is, the death I suffer each moment on the path of God. Everything is for God. Hazrat promised Messiah said that when you give over to God everything of which you were made the owner, Allah includes you in His dominion and you rise with a new glory and a new creation. And in this sense, as though Allah included the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the dominion of all the universe through his mercy, included him through his favor in what had belonged to God. That is, whatever had belonged to this servant, he gave it all over to God. And since Allah appreciates one's favor more than all else, no man accepts another person's favor in the way Allah accepts it. So, in a way, man did favor, but Allah did favor on him far more than that favor, and said that whatever had belonged to you, you have given it to me. Now whatever belongs to me has become yours. In the same sense is the revelation of Hazrat promised Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. That, O oh my servant, if you become mine, that is, relinquishing your power and authority, should you return everything to me, then in return whatever belongs to me will become yours. So the word Malik points to a great attribute which encompasses everything else in the sense that each attribute of Allah joining the attribute of Ik rises with a new glory once again and manifests with a new splendor. So when we say we should especially keep in view the Malik attribute 
and including all the attributes of Rabb, Rahman and Rahim in the Malik attribute you should address God and say that we worship you alone and we seek only your help. After this subject I had briefly mentioned the subject of Inam, a reward. Now I want to tell you that what connection does Maghdub and Dhalin has with the attributes of Allah which have been mentioned at the beginning of the chapter Al-Fatiha. That is with the concept of Rab, one does not think of wrath and misguidance. With the concept of Rahman, one does not think of wrath and misguidance. Nor does it appear to link with the attribute of Rahim, nor with the attribute of Malik. Then why do we say that all the attributes of Allah are linked to these four attributes which are fundamental and have been mentioned in the beginning of chapter Al-Fatiha? Reflecting on this subject, one point which Allah made clear to me was that to become the worshippers of Allah, it is necessary to develop contact with all the attributes of Allah. The attribute with which one breaks his contact, in that part one appears in the world to be contrary to that attribute. So if a man does not try to become a Rab, then he appears opposite to the Rab attribute. And in actual fact, it is not Allah who displays wrath, but it is the people who become a means of wrath for the people who cut off their contact with the praiseworthy attributes of Allah. Whatever misery you see in the world in which a man appears to become a target of wrath, then he becomes a target of wrath in the sense that he breaks his contact with the Rab, Rahman, Rahim and Malik attributes of Allah and shows contradictory behavior. He manifests on the world in the opposite form of these attributes and a man takes the first step in treating people wrongly. After that Allah's treatment with him starts which then makes him Maghdub of Allah. It is similar to the example of mother who loves her child intensely and in her deep love there does not appear to be this aspect of wrath. But when someone hurts her child, for such a man, the same mother shows extreme anger. She shows such extreme wrath that you do not see such wrath in any of her other relations. It is said that if one tries to remove the lion cubs, then the lioness shows much more wrath against him than the lion. One may escape the wrath of a lion but he cannot escape the wrath of the lioness. Similarly, it is said that a she-elephant, that if one were to the young of an elephant, then far more than the male elephant, the mother elephant takes its revenge. And whoever has shown cruelty, she tramples him under her feet in such a way 
that no sign of him should remain. By reducing him to dust, her anger does not end, and its basis is love. Its basis is Rahma, mercy. Regarding Rahim, the Holy May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has informed us that the womb of the mother in which the child develops has been called Rahim because it has a link with the Rahma, mercy of God. As Allah is Rahman and the Rahman attribute has a link with creation, similarly the development of the baby is linked to Rahim, the womb of the mother. And Arabic, in fact, is the revealed language. Therefore, Allah chose the same word for both, that is, Rahim and Rahman are formed from the same root. The fact is that if you understand the love of the mother for her child, this matter will become illumined for you, that if there is anyone who can become most wrathful to any enemy of the child, then it is his mother. So the people who show enmity to the servants of Rahman God, Allah is wrathful to them because of his Rahman attribute. So in two sense, such people become maghdub. One is that those who do neither learn to become Rab nor Rahman, nor Rahim, nor Malik, the world receives no benefit from them. Their benefit does not reach anyone. They become an obstacle between the Rahmah of Allah and His people, or between the praiseworthy attributes of Allah and His people. And just to become this obstacle makes them a target of Allah's wrath. But when after this obstacle they advance further, and treat the people in a negative way, that is, where they have to show mercy, they are cruel. Where they should give more than one's right, they usurp their right. Where they have to give support and take people to higher stages, that is, after training them, instead they adopt a negative behavior and harm people's morality and spread filth among them. As these days, there are many filthy things which are coming out of America and are being spread throughout the world. So America, who produce filthy pornographic films and invent such new pleasures which ruin man's morals, they not only have no link with the Rab, but develop links with mankind opposite to the Rab attribute and behave towards people contrary to this attribute. So because of their negative behavior, as Allah is truly Rabb, He displays a negative treatment of those who have cut off their relation with the Rabb. As Allah is Rahman, He shows an opposite treatment to those who treat mankind opposite to the Rahman attribute. This is the subject as a result of which all negative attributes of Allah come into operation. So when Allah said, we should say, then those who did not enter the ranks of and the prayer of, 
has not been accepted for them, then it is their filth which has been made clear to us in the shape of they manifested in the sense that they rose in the world as a negative reflection of Allah's attributes. Once I was reflecting on this and was praying that Allah may make this meaning clear then in a vision Allah explained this subject in another way. It was that as in an industrial plant you put in something as raw material, it comes out of the plant in a magnificent completed form, but at the same time some waste is also produced which is not suitable to go through such a change in that plant, that it could be presented to the world in any form of a finished up. It is called waste product. One is the end product and another is waste product. End product is that produce of each industry for whose sake the industry has been established and after passing through all the processes it comes before the world as a new useful article. Now whatever you are wearing now they have passed through some factory in one form and another and have come before you in new form. Some of you are wearing a cloth cap, some are wearing woolen cap and some are wearing Pakistani type of caps. Now you imagine what raw materials they were. Similarly your dresses, your shoes, your pens were all raw materials which passing through various stages of production have reached you in that form you have bought them and used them. But your mind has never gone to that waste which was continuously being produced and was being separated from these things and it was thrown to one side as waste material. For instance, in the modern times when the industry has progressed much, it has become a great problem for the world that what should we do with this waste material? It continues to become a torment for the world. When it was less, then man did not pay much attention to it. Even hundred years ago, there was industry and there were big factories. But find such debates in the newspapers at the time that what should we do with the waste material which develops as we are trying to make new things. They used to dump it in the sea or on land or in the lakes and they never paid much attention to its harm. But since they are producing more things now, at the same time the waste material is also increasing and has emerged as such a dangerous thing that the world is fearing its harm. It is now a grave problem and among the great nations they are pondering over the matters with much concern that how we should free ourselves from these harmful things which are with us as a byproduct of our industry and we do not know how we should get rid of them.
in the religious world also there are waste products which create means destruction for mankind and as in the world also at times there is more waste and less end products in the same way unfortunately some periods come on mankind that passing through the divine system of reform there are very few among them who benefit from the system and there is a large majority which is thrown to one side as a waste material for instance you see at the time of hazrat noah a similar kind of spiritual system was established which has which has been continuing at the time of each prophet but a large majority of the people was such which was the waste material and there were very few who had come out of this plant completely cleansed so allah saved the cleansed people but destroyed the waste material mankind do not have such it that they can become entirely free of waste material therefore the waste mankind do not have such a method that they can become entirely free of waste material therefore the waste of the religions as it gradually gathers that is the waste which is saved as a sign of a lesson warning brothers or in some other forms for the benefit later on and at times the waste is kept for recycling but eventually the waste becomes maghdub and dhalim and creates havoc for mankind here allah has used the words which does not say that allah was wrathful to them maghdub means those on whom wrath descended or who were made a target of wrath or are being made a target it does not say that oh god do not show us the path of those on whom you showed your wrath it is because the wrath starts from the people and it does not start from god wrath starts from man and allah shows wrath in return as i have explained to you in detail that a mother shows wrath because of her compassion so it is a glory of allah that here in the subject of wrath points out although later on you will also come across that allah shows wrath but the chapter al-fatiha has pointed out and has explained the subject that in fact the wrath starts from man and as a result of his own wrath man is made maghdub then such a man becomes maghdub of people as well as maghdub of god so here not making clear the personal pronoun has wide scope of the subject and has given it more latitude that oh god do not let us follow the path of those who are a waste product who as they pass through the spiritual system of the chapter al-fatiha that is the spiritual system of the chapter al-fatiha is the same which is spread by god throughout the world because if al-fatiha is the mother of the quran it thus becomes the mother of the whole universe so o god those who cannot benefit from the spiritual system which you have mentioned in the chapter alpha some among them are such who become utterly deprived 
and they are maghdub. People show wrath to them because it is as a result of their being wrathful to people that you have made them a target of your wrath. Therefore, since they are unjust and cruel to the people, gradually hatred develops against them and then they are repeatedly made the target of the wrath of the people. And since they treat Allah's people wrathfully, therefore from the heavens they are made the target of the wrath of God, and thus suffer twofold curse. Please do not include us among such people, and do not list us among these unfortunate people. Please list us among those fortunate people who passing through your spiritual system and benefiting from it rise in the world as a new creation and gain a new existence in the most beneficial form for mankind. This is the prayer of which then reaches its completion in the form of here by Dualin are meant those people who were not cut off from the Rab and Rahman attribute of God up to their becoming Maghdub, but to some extent they have in contact with these attributes. Therefore they have been included among those who were misled, and especially those people are Dualin whose contact with the following attributes of Allah has been cut off more so. That is, although they cut off some contact with the Rab attribute and with the Rahman attribute also, but they cut off much more contact with the Rahim and Malik attributes. And those whose act is cut off from the Malik attribute, they are the ones who become Dualli. Here I don't have time to go into detail of this subject either. But since I had made some mention earlier, therefore I would like to link it with that mention. The mention that I made was that Hazrat promised Messiah, in peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has explained to us this great point of wisdom that the clamp which has befallen the Christians, it has befallen because of their failure to understand and to believe the Malik attribute of God. They consider God only just, and they do not consider him Malik, and do not consider the one who can make laws, and do not consider him the master of the laws. Therefore they are forced to think that rising above the demands of justice, not ignoring justice but higher than the demands of justice, he cannot show forgiveness to people. So whoever broke contact with Malik, he is included among Dualin. And about Dualin we know that the Holy Prophet and some other commentators who have given interpretations in the light of the guidance given by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, have stated this matter clearly, that if Maghdub are the Jews, then Dualin are the Christians. Therefore, to be Dual, that is to lose one's way, is especially linked 
to the denial of Malik attribute. That is why I have put this before you that Maghdub state develops mostly as a result of one cutting off contact with Rab and Rahman attribute. And to be Dawalin develops mostly as a result of one's cutting off contact with the Rahim and Malik attribute. Anyway, leaving this subject here, I want to move ahead. You must remember another very important thing about the Chap al-Fatiha because you recite it repeatedly in the prayers and will continue to recite it. Therefore, its subject should be kept in view in its wider context. It is because a man is not in the same condition at all times. And the chapter Al-Fatiha is such magnificent chapter which has the disposition to have a link with all situations of man. Therefore, the more you will familiarize with the disposition of this chapter, the more it will be of use to you in your changing situations. Otherwise, when you will say your prayer in some situation, the chapter Al-Fatiha may appear to you somewhat irrelevant. But if you will understand its wider meanings, then you must remember that it will always encompass your widest possible situations. And it can never be that any of your situation can go outside the wider meanings of the chapter Al-Fatiha. This aspect which I want to put before you is linked with the usage of the personal pronouns. You have seen that when the chapter induces Allah to you, then you do not see any personal pronouns except those used in the third person. In Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Yomidin. There is no personal pronoun as a direct address. That Rab, or this Rab, or thou, or I, or we, or you. No such pronouns have been used. But all the subject is in the third person. Thus all the attributes of Allah have been stated here in the third person plural form. After that the subject return and for the first time in clear terms the personal pronouns were used in such a way that in the prayer of we have used the first person plural form of address and for God we have used the single person address form that is we address God as the asked him as single person that despite all of his attributes such a concept of a singular existence rose before us which is indivisible which cannot be added to or subtracted from and is a singular existence so when we prayed we did not do so with this confusion that since there are many attributes then it is also possible that Allah may have many kinds of existence but we used a plural form for our own self as though we took on the representation of the entire universe the concept of Rabbil Alameen rose in a new color and we thought 
that since he is rab of all the worlds therefore to develop relationship with him why not ask him as a representative of everything in the universe because he is a rab for all of them and when we will ask on behalf of everything then our prayer will develop more effect and we will also share in his attribute of rabbul alamin so the prayer of iyaka nabudu has taught us both these things that in spite of all these attributes rab is only one and the universe is if and uncountable a man can bring together the whole universe within his person and as a representative of the whole universe he can pray to god and this prayer can in fact be said in representation of the whole universe because when we say iyaka nabudu then whether in fact we do our duty of worship or not the holy us that the whole universe is in fact worshiping allah so it is not just a form of exaggeration or is not a point of personal taste but is a solid reality that when we say iyaka nabudu that we worship thee alone all of us that is all the worlds then we are speaking gospel truth and since a man is truly a representative of the whole universe therefore the consciousness of the entire universe is created in him as an essence and the highest intelligence has been granted to man therefore being the most excellent creation he has the right to represent them so the one who is the most excellent in creation when he undertakes worship and bows before allah then it is as though the entire universe is bowing before god so a man who at the time of worships his station in view his bowing and prostration develops a unique manifestation he is not bowing alone before god but is bowing with nabudu he is bowing as an essence of the whole universe when the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him was submitting to allah nabudu then the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him was not submitting just as in representation whole universe but used to submit it as a leader of all the worshipers that o god o rabbul alamin all of us who worship you all of us bow before you and i as their leader affirm that you alone are worthy of worship and beside you there is none who is worthy of worship all our leadership are prostrating before you our foreheads touch the ground in humility before you and we weep and bewail and admit our helplessness so when the leader of the whole universe created by god was bowing and prostrating before god and was reciting the prayer or iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'in then in fact the entire universe and the essence of all the universe was praying 
today it is not possible for anyone to do worship at that magnificent level even if it is possible then one has no capacity for it that is as a human being today he does not have the capacity that he could hold the worship of Muhammad the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam therefore whatever our capacity it is necessary to widen our worship and you should try to widen it starting with your family if you cannot include consciously other things in iyaka nabudu then you should include your wife your children and your relations at least if you have been appointed to a position in a divine jamaat then include all people in your circle of influence if you are qaid khudam al ahmadiya then you should include khudam if you are the president lajna then you should include lajna members in short in whichever circle you have been appointed to do some work you should include those people with you when in position you will say iya kanabudu then at the same time a self examination will also start and man will ponder as to what extent i have the right to represent them have i done some effort to include them with me in worship have i truly desired that all of them should join me to become the true worshipers of god if this has not been done then some vigor and life will go out of the subject of iyaka nabudu it cannot develop that power so you can see it is the same prayer of iyaka nabudu but as the situations change its meanings begin to change in some situations it rises as a powerful prayer in some situations it lacks that power thus the subject of the prayer of iyaka nabudu is very fast and deep on one side it is linked with rabb rahman rahim or malik se and on the other side it develops a link with all the worlds and you become a means between rabb and his people between rabb and his creation the subject of these personal pronouns progresses further and now we enter the ruku posture whether or not you have thought about it but it is certainly an amazing thing that as we bow we are alone and so is god subhan rabbil azim subhan rabbil azim and the same is the case posture of prostration that rabbul alamin has become as my rab and this is very interesting and most enjoyable thing and is a thing of unlimited gratitude that a person who fully understanding the prayer and offering it sincerely reaches the ruku posture to him as though the prayer is message that you have admitted the rab attribute of god to be in operation in all the worlds and understood it 
and try to become a representation of the Rab attribute. You saw and understood Allah's Rahman attribute in action in all the worlds. And similarly, tried yourself to spread your quality of Rahman. Thus, eventually, you reach Malik attribute. Then I received to all these affirmations from Allah is that you submitted Iyakanabadu before me, that, O oh Allah, in representation of all mankind, or representing those you have put under my charge, I worship you. Therefore, now I will manifest on you as your God, and I give you this right that you should say, Holy is my Lord, who is a Lord. Now here, whoever was absent is no longer absent. Who was Lord of everything will remain Lord of all else, but here he has risen as your own, and has manifested as my Lord. So whoever's Rabb is Azim, he will also have a share of that greatness. In this, a glad tiding has also been given, that now younger an ordinary man, you have developed link with such an existence, and have taken him as your own, and he has become yours, and now you will be given a share of his greatness. And when he falls into prostration, and apparently in the eyes of the world he has belittled and disgraced himself, that is, more than this, what more disgrace there can be in the worldly eyes, that he rub his forehead in dust before someone. From there, a voice rises from his heart. The Rab who I have made mine, who has made me his own, he is higher than all else, and is more supreme. And compared to him, nothing else has any relevance. So from the transcendence of Allah and from his supremacy, such humble are also given a share. And now you see how this subject of the personal pronouns reaches to what heights, and in the apparent humble posture of the prostration, this subject reaches to its highest point, and teaches man that the secret of all advancement is in humility. The more he will fall before God, and will bow before Him, the higher stations He will be granted. If you look at it from the view of the personal pronouns, the prayer carries a great message and has deep lessons for us. Besides this, times have also been used in the prayer in such a way that a most magnificent subject arises before us and continuously illumines our minds. But I am looking at the clock, since the time is now short, and there are a few other things about Salat prayers still to say. Therefore, if next Friday I have time after discussing Waqf-e-Jadeed, or a sermon after that, 
we will inshallah continue this subject